What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. There's a Sports Ethos presentation, and I am your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, and also at EthosFantasyBB. Go check out EthosFantasyBB, guys. I know I've been saying it a lot recently, but that is the account where all of our baseball and fantasy baseball content will be posted out from in this offseason and also heading into next year. I want to focus more on that account, growing that one up. Thank you so much for following me, at JoeOrico99. That account's actually done very well, better than I thought it would. Uh, but let's send some of that love over to Ethos Fantasy BB as well. I know it's the off season; Not as many people are watching baseball stuff and consuming it, but if you could, I'd really appreciate you guys doing that. One other thing, before we do get really going here, I want to say that we are still bringing people on at Sports Ethos. If you want to write about baseball, talk about baseball, we have a lot of positions uh, open right now. And not even just with baseball. It could be basketball, football, hockey. There's a bunch of stuff that we are doing. So send myself uh, a message or at Dan Bespris as well. You could reach out to either one of us and we'll get you uh, talking with the right people. But today we're going to continue on with shortstop. Yesterday we looked at our elite tier of guys from 2022. And I did get somebody ask me on Twitter why I didn't talk about Fernando Tatis. And it was because Grant, of course, he is an elite tier shortstop, but we were talking, this is more of a, of a excuse me, more of a review show that we're doing for last season, the season that just happened. So he is going to be someone that we talk about today. This is going to be what I'm going to title, I guess, the disappointing group of shortstops. There's one or two guys in here who weren't necessarily disappointing, depending on how you look at it, but they're all going to be grouped into this category uh, nonetheless. Typically what I've done with these review shows is I've just been going down the Yahoo ranking board, going position by position, and then doing it that way. We're going to continue with that tomorrow, but there are some guys who I think we should talk about before we get into more of our mid-tier uh, shortstops. You know, we're going to still talk about them, our Nico Horners and those guys, and you know, even Elvis Andrews, who ended up having a really good year, uh, Kiner Falafa. There are guys that we're going to talk about later on down the board who I think they're going to be talked about regardless, but I, I want to talk about these guys first because I think they're in just a bit of a higher tier uh, than the other guys. So, Let's get started off with Fernando Tatis. He did not play a single game this last season. We've talked about him on my rankings show. I think that he could be somebody who pushes up potentially into the first round. I wouldn't be surprised if by the time we get to draft season, people are taking Fernando Tatis somewhere at the end of the first round, uh, depending on how big your league is. I currently have him ranked as my 20th player. I think, it's, I think he's going to be coming back April 20th or so. Uh, in that range, miss roughly 20 games, 15, 20 games. And that's really not a big deal for me because guys will tend to miss something like that generally throughout the course of the season anyway. So if you're you know, you're drafting somebody because you think they're going to play that many more games than Tatis, it's not necessarily going to be the case just because he's missing that early portion. So that's that's not really going to be holding me back so much there. Now, this is a review show, but there's nothing really to review. He didn't play this year. Uh, we can look at his ADP. It was 40th over on the NFBC, and it was just about 50 over on Yahoo, 49.7. I'd expect him to be going somewhere probably. God, it, he's almost impossible to predict right now. I saw some of those early drafts. He was going like 38, somewhere in that range. I think if it sticks around there, that's going to be a huge bargain. I think that he's going to just keep pushing up and up, and I don't think we're going to continue to see that bargain with Tatis. But uh, when we see what he has in that lineup around him, I can't, I can't imagine why he would be falling that late. If you're going to take him 
anywhere kind of in the second round as of right now. I have him at 20th, but if you wanted to take him at 15, 16, somewhere in that range, I wouldn't really have a problem with it. I think that it can be a big year. We've talked about this at length just a few shows ago, and I don't want to be too repetitive, but the guy has no or has never had more to prove than he does this season. So I'd expect him to really come back with a bang. We know that he can give you 40-40 kind of numbers. I think that that's definitely within his range of outcomes. I mean, he's only ever stolen 25 bases, but that was in 130 games. You give him like 140 plus this, you know, I think he'll have some renewed energy this season. Plus you got the bigger bases and everything. I think that 40 home runs, 30 steals is I don't want to say that's the floor, but that's at least what I'm expecting from this guy this season. I, I think we can really see that with a batting average that's close to 300. And, I mean, he'll be a, probably a top five uh, NL MVP pick going into the next season. I think as of right now, from what I talked about, I have Acuna as my, my guy for next season for NL MVP and then Tatis shortly thereafter. So no worries uh, in drafting him as far as I see it. Wander Franco is the next guy I want to talk about a little bit here. I've never been a huge Wander Franco guy. We haven't talked about him a ton on the show. We talked about him here and there. But the format that I generally followed during the regular season was looking back on the previous night's top performers. He wasn't really one of them on a regular basis. And it was looking at ads and drops. And he was, you know, he stayed where he did. He's still, if you look right now, 93% of rosters as the season ended. He was not somebody, maybe some people were dropping him at some points throughout the season, but he was not somebody that we were talking about as a must or as a top ad or a top drop for the season. It was 314 at bats for him, 46 runs, six homers, 33 ribbies, eight steals and a 277 batting average. I like him. He's dealt with injuries. So you can, we haven't really seen what a full season of Wander Franco is. We saw 70 games in 2021. We saw 83 games in 2022. I don't think that he's going to have crazy high kind of fantasy value like I think that some people are projecting him to have like his ADP was 42 this season on Yahoo and over on the NFBC it was 57 I don't think that he is gonna be that type of fantasy player I think that he can be somebody who hits you maybe 15 home runs steals you 15 ish kind of bags maybe gets the 20 bags I'm not even sure he can do that maybe 70 RBIs and I mean maybe 100 runs if you're if you're lucky I I don't have him I don't see him in the light that a lot of people do as being this hugely beneficial fantasy player I think he'll hit for a pretty high batting average most likely uh, but I don't see a ton of power or speed and that's really uh, the bread and butter of fantasy players looking for somebody who can provide you some power some speed and he gives you a little bit of both but I don't think that he's going to warrant top 50 draft picks heading into next season. I'm not sure where exactly I'm going to have him ranked. Uh, I mean, he'll be somewhere in the back half of the top 100. I, I'm just not as big on him. And maybe it's because we just haven't seen so much of him. Uh, 83 games this season. Maybe it's just we need to see a full season of what he can do. Maybe he can break out a little bit more. But I don't think he's going to have massive power. I, don't, I just don't see that. I don't think there's going to be massive steals either. I think he'll be a, a pretty good back-end top 100 guy. But I think a lot of people are expecting a lot more than that out of him. They're expecting top 50 and beyond, and I, I wouldn't see that. I think 70 to 80, maybe even 80 to 90 is probably generally where I'm going to slot him in heading into next season. We saw high, very high batting average seasons from him in the minors, but I'm not sure that I'm going to really be uh, – I'm really going to be buying into just that – uh, player makeup in, at such a high draft pick. So 
not necessarily a fade. We'll have to see where he comes in. He'll definitely fall from where he did last season. Uh, he's definitely not going to be going in this same kind of range. I don't. I hope not. Anyway, I don't think so. If he is going in that kind of 100 spot, then we'll talk a little bit. But pushing up too much from there, uh, I'm not going to be a big fan of it for Wander Franco. Next, we are going to talk about Adalberto Mondesi. This one is tough. I drafted Adalberto Mondesi in a couple of leagues this year. I fell into the trap. And I don't think I'm ever going to be falling into it again. Uh, the price, I don't think it'll be that high. This season it was 61 over on NFBC and 62 over on Yahoo. If it's anywhere inside the top 100, you just can't do it. It's too risky. We've never seen him. He's never played more than 102 games. And when he does, when he did that, it was nine homers. It was 43 steals. It was a 263 batting average. We've seen spurts of really good power numbers as well. Uh, in 2018, it was 14 homers in 75 games. Like, the speed is legit. He can hit for some power, sure, but he just can't stay healthy. And this season, we got 15 games out of him. We got five steals, zero homers, and a 140 batting average. That's brutal. Uh, it's it's really tough. I'm, I'm really – I don't even know where I'd want to take him. I'm trying to think, like, where a spot to say it would be a safe spot, 150. I don't even know if you could say 150, maybe 200. I don't. Th- he's not going to fall that much, though. Someone's going to take a bite on him because somebody does every single year, even though we've never seen it at a sustained rate. I mean, I guess in 2020, it was a short season. It was 60 games. He played 59 of them, so it seemed like he kind of did. Uh, six homers, 24 steals in that time frame. 24 steals in 59 games. Like, the guy could potentially, with that kind of speed, you'd think. I mean, there's been a lot of injuries now, but... I mean, made up to be like a 70 kind of steel player. He's still only 27 years old. But at this point, I mean, I've heard some people even talk about how he might be non-tendered by the Royals after an ACL. Who knows if there's going to be as much speed coming back. It's There's red flags all over the place with Mondesi, and I think we're going to have to be probably in the 150-plus range, 170-ish for me to really want to take a bite. And if he's not there, he's not there. You might be missing out on a really good season. Maybe he goes to another team and he gets some playing time and he's able to give you kind of like a Jorge, Mate- uh, Jorge Mateo-style season from this year. I think that's probably about a best-case scenario, something along the lines of that. But do not be reaching for him. Do not think, oh, well, there's, there's massive upside. There is massive upside if he can play 120-plus games. But you can't bet on that. There's just It's just a bad investment at this point. 50 games played over the last two seasons. Not good. It's not something that you can invest in. 20 steals in that time. When he's out there, he's, he's fantastic. Uh, but on a per-game basis here, it's, it's, it's much, much too risky. Okay, let's keep it going here with Tim Anderson. <clears throat> now, Tim Anderson, it's a little bit hard for him because he wasn't really a disappointment when he was out there, but you only got 79 games out of him. And I think if you drafted him, you're not thrilled about it. I drafted Tim Anderson in a few different leagues. Uh, my home league, I had him. I still ended up winning my home league despite drafting Tim Anderson. I had some crazy draft picks. Juan Soto, uh, Walker Bueller on that team, and I still ended up winning. Uh, but Tim Anderson was somebody who you couldn't really rely on this season as a whole, and it wasn't his fault. He's still going to be a really solid player. He's still going to be a solid pick heading into next season. He's going to be discounted, and I think that that's going to be a big thing for me next season with him. Uh, 29th over on Yahoo and over on the NFBC 31st. I think we're going to see him fall outside of the top 50. I didn't have him inside of my top 50, but he's certainly not too far behind there. We see a full healthy season, and I think the Tony LaRusa thing is going to be a big factor as well, a whole season 
of kind of normalcy after a bit of weird shit going on there with Larusa. Who knows behind the scenes? I mean, people say he might have been drunk in games and he was bad manager, and I, I don't know who who knows what was really going on. But it was not it was not a great culture there. Uh, I think we could see a big bounce back year from some of these White Sox players and. For him, it's more about just being on the field. It wasn't like he was bad when he was out there. But I think this one, the show, is disappointments in general. And if we're finding a bucket for Tim Anderson specifically, I think this is the one for him to be in. I'm going to do, I think, honestly, it has to be four shows for shortstops just because there are so many of them. We did the elite tier yesterday. Today we're doing kind of the disappointments and injuries. And I think that we're probably going to have to do two more just to get through all these guys because there are so many shortstops that have value. I'm trying to just stick to straight shortstops, not guys who are dual eligibility. But I think looking down the list, we'll probably have to go Monday and Tuesday looking at this. But Tim Anderson, in terms of total value he gave you for the season, he's ranked pretty low. I mean, this is this is brutal, but O'Neill Cruz gave you in total value – more than what you got out of Tim Anderson this season. So, yeah, it was a disappointment. I think I'll, I'll stand by that one. It's pretty safe to say in my eyes that I was disappointed in drafting him. But let's move on to somebody who is a little more of a clear-cut disappointment here, and that's Javi Baez. Now, you always get a different perspective in hindsight, obviously, but looking at his ADP, which was at 62 over on the NFBC site, and at 64 on Yahoo, I think we kind of maybe should have been expecting some kind of fall-off from that. Uh, going to Detroit, that's not going to give you the same kind of line of protection that he had down the stretch in New York, or even that he had a lot of the time in Chicago. Plus, it's a terrible ballpark. And we got worse numbers out of him. We had 17 homers, 67 ribbies this season, nine steals, and a 238 batting average. It was bad. It was a bad season from Javi Baez. Maybe you want to say, you know, he's a new team, new year, which is some, which is definitely something. Like, you go to a new city, you go to a new team, uh, it's just different pressures. There's different whatever. Uh, sure, that's definitely a factor, and there's different family aspects that we usually gloss over of, you know, you have to move to a different place. Uh, but he played in Chicago and New York, which are which are big markets. I think you could argue for sure. I mean, New York is a bigger market than Detroit. Chicago and Detroit, I mean, Chicago is probably a bigger market as well. Chicago is a bigger market. So I don't know. That would be a factor, really. Uh, I think maybe it's just we have to look at the lineup around him and look at the ballpark as being kind of big factors there. I'm not sure what we're going to see from him going forward. Are we going to see the 30 home run, 100 RBI version of him again with like a 290 batting average? I don't think so. I think we're more likely to see something like 20 homers, 80 RBIs. Maybe he pushes back into double digits for steals. I think it's possible. Uh, I think there was stuff this season about the Tigers not really running much as a team. I think I remember that being a narrative that I don't know if it was a directive from the team or if it was just a lot of the players just were not running. I think I think there was something in the dugout about it or in the clubhouse about it. So maybe over time we see him steal a little bit more. Uh, maybe we see 10, 15. But I wouldn't have a ton of hope about the batting average going back up so much. He's always been a big strikeout guy. And he's always been granted, like, not a terrible batting average. I think it's, like, 260 for the career. Uh, it's not bad. But I don't think we can expect him to go back up to, like, 280, 270, 290 kind of range. That's not, I don't think, going to be happening, uh, especially in this ballpark. So when you're, when you're looking at your shortstops for next season, when you're talking about who you should draft, I don't know that Javi Baez should be a priority for anybody. I mean, some Tigers fans are going to maybe want to take him. I don't know. Maybe 125 
plus range. I'm not I'm not going to be big on him. He's going to have to slip quite a bit for me. Even in that range, I don't know that I'd be thrilled about it. Uh, let me see where he finished according to Yahoo this year. I, I, I doubt it'd be terribly high. Uh, 225. <clears throat> yeah, that feels about right. Not great value at all. If I mean, he's not going to fall to 225, but he's certainly not going to go in that same kind of range that he went this season, fourth, fifth round. I think we're probably going to be looking at, in most drafts, people are probably still going to want to take him around the top 100. Uh, people do tend to have long memories, and I do love a good track record. We've talked about that a lot on the show. I love it when you can look back and say, okay, he's had multiple 25, 30 home run seasons with 80, 85, 90 RBIs and good batting averages, but a lot of things have changed. He's not an old guy by any means. He's 29. Has he turned 30 yet? Uh, actually, I think he has. No, he'll be 30 in December. So he's not an old guy, but he's in a bad situation there in Detroit. I don't see them getting a ton better, not immediately anyway, maybe over the next couple of seasons, but I don't think they're going to take a huge step next season. So I'd be, I don't know. I think, yeah, plus 125 kind of range would be where I start to think about taking him, but I'm not going to be overly optimistic about it. We're going to do one more shortstop for today. I think these are the guys that generally do fit into this this tier of guys who were drafted pretty high up for shortstops who disappointed you. And then we're going to do, I think, two more shows where we go into the later tiers. But that last shortstop we are going to get into today, it's Carlos Correa. Now, some people may disagree with the characterization that he was a disappointment, but I do think that generally he is a fairly disappointing fantasy player. And specifically from where he's being drafted uh, in NFBC drafts, 97th was his average draft pick or average draft position. Some drafts, I think they're specifically uh, like main event drafts. I think he was going a little bit higher than that. But 97 on average, and over on Yahoo, he was, I believe, a little bit higher as well. Yeah, he was the 78th overall pick on average in Yahoo drafts, which feels very high. Now, finishing 118 after that, it's not like a horrible drop-off. You'll still take it. He wasn't somebody who you were going to be dropping or anything. But I think we have higher expectations of him than what generally he gives you fantasy-wise. His first couple of years in the league, he stole bases. He stole 14, and then he stole 13. <clears throat> and he looked like he could be somebody who turns into like a 2020 guy every single season. And the 20 home runs, the first part of the 20, have stuck. But since those first two seasons, he has stolen exactly, let's see, six bases. And it's been three years since he has stolen a base. He attempted one steal in the last three years. It was this season, and he was caught. So that's something that is completely gone from his fantasy game. Most players, you know, you can expect even by accident you'll get one or two steals. But Carlos Correa, you're not getting any. In terms of the runs he produces, it's not great. I mean, he's only hit over 100 one time. It was last season. He had 104. Uh, but before that, not that he'd played a ton of games typically. You're looking at 110, 100, in that kind of range. But let me just give you every year, 52, 76, 82, 60, 42, one reason or another, you're not getting runs out of him. And this year, you got 70 runs in 136 games. And we knew there was going to be a fall-off in the runs and the RBIs a bit going to Minnesota. And I think we should have pushed his ADP a little bit farther down. I don't know why people were taking him so high. He gave you 64 runs, or excuse me, 64 RBIs and 70 runs. Gave you a 291 batting average, which is good, and you'll take it. But I just can't see him being someone that you take that confidently, that highly in drafts. Now, the thing with him going into next season is I believe he has opted out of his contract for uh, with the Twins. I don't know that he's I – don't, I doubt that he's going to be coming back um, to Minnesota. So where he goes will dictate his value like a lot of players. 
he goes back to a really, really strong team. Not that Minnesota was a terrible team, but they're not great. I mean, offensively, they weren't bad, but, you know, looking at these stats that Correa was able to put up, batting usually, I believe, second in that order. Not a hell of a lot of runs, not a hell of a lot of RBIs. Not somebody that I feel terribly confident taking even inside the top 100. Uh, I think you're probably going to be pushing him a little bit farther down than what a lot of people are going to want to hear. A lot of people like him and they know him as being, you know, a really good defensive shortstop maybe, which comes into the play of maybe not for fantasy, but just he's a really good shortstop in general. So you push him up into that kind of elite group. He's not in the elite fantasy group. Uh, he's He was maybe for a couple of years there as first, even, you know, 2017 when he didn't have stolen bases only two of them still batted 315 82 runs 84 rbis okay i'll take that for sure um especially if the batting average is going to be that high and that was the only year he ever was able to do that he's always like a 270 280 guy which is fine but if he's not giving you a hell of a lot in the other categories i'd like to see the batting average be you know quite a bit higher for him to be pushed into that same kind of group now, in general, this group of guys is a bit of a mixed bag. Tatis, I'm very much in on. And Tim Anderson, I'm very much in on as well. But the other ones, not really so big for fantasy. They were disappointments this season. And I think that they'll probably generally be disappointments next season. Wander Franco, maybe, depending on ADP, he's not. Maybe he's still somebody who can give you a top 100 kind of fantasy value. I think he probably can. But it's not... You know, he's not going to be this fantasy stud. Like, I think he could be a real-life uh, huge corner piece for Tampa Bay. I don't know that he's going to do that for you from a fantasy perspective. He's good, but I don't think he's top 50 kind of good. Uh, so disappointing doesn't mean bad, but it means from where we're drafting him, not quite living up to that price. Same thing with Javi Baez, probably. I think that the price is going to go down on him, but will it go down enough for me to really be interested is is another question entirely. Uh, Adalberto Modesty, we are we are pretty clearly out on him unless we're getting him at a massive discount to the point where he's just a throw-in at the end of your drafts where you can just say, okay, if it works, it works. If not, then I can drop him here in the 14th, 15th round, and it's not going to really kill me. If you're dropping him after picking him in the 5th or 6th round, then it's going to kill you. Not that many people are probably going to do that this year. But I wouldn't be surprised if his minimum draft pick is still inside the top 100, that somebody would take him, you know, somewhere 90-something. I, I wouldn't be shocked by it. And the last guy, Carlos Correa. I'm not big on him. I just think there's better options at shortstop, whether you want to go for an elite-tier guy like we talked about yesterday. If you missed the show yesterday, then go check that out. We talked about the cream of the crop for, for this past season. Then really, I think the cream of the crop moving forward uh, specifically, I mean, you can add Tatis in there and Tim Anderson as well. Specifically for 2022, though, yesterday we looked back on the real elite guys, and those are the guys that I feel truly, really mostly confident about. Uh, there was a couple exceptions in there. Danzy Swanson, maybe not quite as high as some of the other guys, and Xander Bogarts, it's really up in the air, depending on where he goes. But generally, those guys you feel really confident in. Most of the guys we talked about today, I'm generally going to be fading heading into next year in favor of some guys who will be going in a similar or even a later kind of range that we're going to get into next week. Uh, we're going to talk about some guys like Jeremy Pena, like Nico Horner, like Elvis Andrews, uh, even Isaiah Conner-Falefa. And he's not someone that I'm huge on, but he produced, you know, it wasn't great, 211th overall value. He gave you 22 steals and the 260 batting average. He wasn't bad. He was somebody that you could have rostered still, and he would have given you, you know, not 
terrible production. You don't have to reach so high up for shortstop. That's why we're going to do four shows. That's why you need to really look at the entire player pool for this position because there are just so many damn players to get into. We haven't even talked really about O'Neill Cruz yet. There is still a lot for us to do. So, guys, thank you so much for hanging out this offseason. We are still technically during or in baseball season. Uh, World Series starts tonight. I'm not sure what time the game starts. I think it's is it 8 something. Yeah, it's 8.03 is first pitch. So you guys are probably, I'm assuming, going to listen to this one on the weekend. We're going to push this one out. I'll send it out tonight on Friday, of course, because we, we don't miss a day here. We don't miss a weekday. But this one I'm going to push to you guys for Saturday. So please enjoy the baseball this whole weekend. And please continue to subscribe to the show, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever it is that you get the show. Uh, hit the subscribe, hit the five-star button. That also really helps people to continue to see the show during the off-season. People aren't going to listen as much for sure, uh, but you guys can help offset that a little bit by just hitting that five-star, uh, leaving a, some kind of review, and of course, following over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, at EthosFantasyBB, and go check out EthosFantasyBK as well. I'm doing some work on the basketball side if you guys are interested over there. We have the best blurb feed in the fantasy world for, ba- uh, for fantasy basketball. And soon enough, we'll have it for baseball as well. Guys, I'll leave you there. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. And cheers, everybody. We'll see you on Monday.